Welcome everyone. You're listening to Save Me an Isle Seat, the show that talks about musicals in an understandable and relatable way. I'm Katie and I'm joined by my fellow musical enthusiasts, Amber and Kylie. Hey. Also joining us is our musical newbie, Matt. Hello. On this week's episode, we are continuing our spooky month trend by covering Ooh. American Psycho. Ba, 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 ba. Ba, ba, stab, stab. Heckin' stabbo. Uh, stab. Stabby, stabby. <laughs> In this one, we are following the London cast recording, which will be on our Spotify, as always, linked in our show notes. And I did the London cast recording because there wasn't another option. Ah. <laughs> I will go over the, that why explain things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll explain why in a minute. So a little bit of background about the show. American Psycho is based on the controversial novel of the same name, written in 1991 by Brett Easton Ellis, which is currently in my to-buy section, because I'm curious. Yeah, why is it controversial? Murder? Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Murder? Okay. Because it goes into such vivid detail. Mm, okay. It weird. Weird. Gotcha. Yeah. Well. But it's very well written, and it kind of comes out of left field about the stuff, so we'll kind of go over it in this story. Gotcha. But it's definitely one of those know-what-you're-getting-into kind of books, hmm. but very well written. It also inspired a movie of the same name in 2000, which starred Christian Bale, which, if you've heard the name American Psycho, is probably your association with it. It's mine. Yeah. If you haven't seen the movie, if you've seen the gif of him, like, dancing side to side. It's from the movie. In a raincoat, covered in blood. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we've all seen the movie, I believe. We had a movie night a yes. couple years ago. Mm-hmm. I might have fallen asleep. You probably <laughs> But I think I, I've seen this one. Yeah. It's, it's pretty good. Also weird. Mm-hmm. Once I tell a story, I'll be like, huh? <laughs> so in 2008, the rights were purchased in order to turn it into a musical with Duncan Sheik writing the music and Roberto Aguirre Sacasa writing the book. A workshop took place in Manhattan in 2001 with Benjamin Walker playing the lead role. In April 2012, big time jump there, it was announced that the London Theatre Company Headlong would stage the musical's world premiere at the Almedia Theatre. A Kickstarter campaign was launched to raise $150,000 to allow them to have a live orchestra and extend the rehearsal period for the production to seven weeks. Which is interesting. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. weird. And also, honestly, not a lot of money when it comes to theater. So, no. wow. True. It began previews on December 3rd, 2013. Officially opened December 12th, 2013 to strong critical notices. No, but it ended its sold-out run on February 1st of 2014. So, you know, it went for a little while. Mm -hmm. But it was scheduled to end on January 25th, and they extended it for a week. So they got a little bit of extra time, I guess. So it did so well, they extended it for a week. Though, not great reviews. By the critics. Yeah. Yeah, but people loved it. Yeah. That has to be most things. Critics mm-hmm. and people, like, don't agree. Yeah, which, where are, they are critics? the critics? Get out of here. Still weird. Anyway, also, fun fact, it starred Matt Smith, who you might know as the 11th Doctor from Doctor Who. Yeah, he played <laughs> Patrick Bateman. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Which, cool. if you if you listen to the London cast recording, which is the one we're going off of, he sounds completely different, because it's, you know, an American accent. And mm-hmm. he's very serious. It's so bizarre, but he does really, really well with this role. Very cool. So it came to Broadway on April 21st, 2016, but closed on June 5th, 2016, after only 81 performances, and saw Benjamin Walker returning to star as Bateman. So he was the one that was in the initial workshop. 
However, this may be conflicting information as Wikipedia says that it opened on March 24th, 2016 and closed June 5th, 2016 after 27 previews and 54 regular performances. But the other date I found on a website that was like, here's the ticket dates or whatever. So take that for what you will. Hmm. It had mixed reviews with the main consensus being that the show couldn't make up its mind on what it wanted to be. Did it want to be a satire? Did it want to be serious? Whatever. Which, in a weird turn of events, is what most people like about it. So again, Mm -hmm. critics, what are you doing? Yeah. (laughs) It did have an Australian premiere from May 10th, 2019, and closed June 14th, 2019, so not that long ago. Also had a sold-out run. From November 8th to the 23rd in 2019, it played off-Broadway at the Center Stage Theater in Santa Barbara, California. Remember, we talked about that. I believe that means that's less than 100 seats. Is that correct? Something like yes. that. Yes. Yeah. I, I know we definitely looked it up. Yeah. So it was a small. It yeah. was a fact. A note about this background, because it was kind of hard to find background information, possibly because it's still a fairly young musical, but it does seem to have done well everywhere except for Broadway. But it was mentioned that a lot of darker shows have been failing there, so maybe there's something up with that. Most other places review it as wonderfully disturbing, saying that it has you laughing one second and giving you a gut punch the next. Cool. It is full of sex, murder, and sardonic humor about the 80s and consumeristic greed. Oh, so cool. Which is super neat. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's presented in such a weird way, but very yeah. good. This one does kind of get a mama warning because there are songs directly about murder and sex. It's not sneaky about it. Yeah, it's very <laughs> upfront and blunt. It is very upfront and blunt. But if you know kind of any information going into it, it's not really that big of a surprise. No, it, and it's not like too over the top, you know, compared to some of the shows we've done. So a light mama warning. Yeah, I wonder, yeah, I wonder if Broadway just has a just vastly different audience from, you know, your average I mean, we have probably. Going. We've talked about it before. It's like the tune is kind of changing where before it was like, for richer, older folks. Mm-hmm. And now it's kind of becoming more accessible to other people. So that's why a lot of like the darker themed didn't really do well because it's not the correct audience. I think more shows are starting to aim towards our generation, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Without an app, too. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. Like, I, I know we talk about it all the time, but Hamilton definitely felt that way. Yes. Where it was just like, this isn't just for all the old people anymore. We're going to incorporate... Like this hip hop rap and things that like you know For all the, y- the, cool the youth out there. if we qualify as that anymore <laughs> youths are interested in so I'm uh, still a child the youngins <laughs> those young whippersnappers <laughs> so yeah I'm I'm sure we're actually probably start hearing that a lot more often mm-hmm. just like wide success but critic not so failure yeah yeah it is very interesting that it it did well in other theater venues though. And I'm curious to see if it'll ever be attempted again. Yeah, with it being like 2016, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, but the off-off Broadway one was 2019. Uh-huh. So with that background out of the way, let's go ahead and jump into Act 1. Woo. Woo. Murder. Murder. Stab, stab. Stabby, stabby. We are introduced to Patrick Bateman, a 26-year-old investment banker living in New York City at the end of the 1980s. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. He's 26. Yeah. Starting him off young. Ah! Oh. <laughs> Sorry, for some reason I didn't realize he was that young. I don't know. I'd take 30s. This is the 1980s, yeah. Okay, like I they don't know. started young I in business. I just imagined he was older. It's fine. 
Nope. <laughs> Continue. Sorry. He's younger than me, but it's fine. <laughs> so we are taken through Bateman's documenting his morning routine, which includes fastidious grooming, tanning, and carefully selecting a designer suit before traveling to Wall Street. And the songs are opening morning routine slash selling out. He arrives at Pierce and Pierce, the elite bank he works at, where he is greeted by his doting secretary, Jean, in the song Everybody Wants to Rule the World. True. He inquires about the highly sought-after Fisher account. Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun. Smells fishy. No. No, no. Stop. <laughs> nope. Shutting down the buttons. <laughs> Later, Patrick has lunch with his co-workers, Tim Price, Craig McDermott, Louis Caruthers, and David Van Patten. They exchange fashion tips and critique restaurants before another colleague, Paul Owen, enters. Patrick learns that Owen has secured the Fisher account, as well as reservations to New York's most exclusive restaurant, Dorzia. Oof, jealousy. Mm-hmm. So he is extremely jealous, but hides it by showing everyone his new business cards, which leads Owen to show his cards in the song titled Cards. Ah, uh, yes. The the rich so white dude showboating. Mm-hmm. Yep, and the song is literally just about them describing, like, the color and the typesetting and... Design. Yeah. Owen mistakes Patrick as Marcus Halberstam, another co-worker of theirs, and Patrick invites him to his birthday dinner. The birthday dinner is thrown by his girlfriend Evelyn Williams and Courtney Lawrence, her best friend, and Louis Caruther's girlfriend. Bateman calls Evelyn, telling her about inviting Owen to the party, you know, last minute. Evelyn hates the idea of an odd number at her party, so he invites Jean, you know, the secretary, to appease her. In the song, You Are What You Wear. A lot of characters introduced. Oh, yeah. Right up front. Yeah, kind of all at once. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Patrick and Price arrive to Evelyn's townhouse late, which, of course, irritates Evelyn. Mm. She's a bit of a type A. (laughs) Over dinner, they blandly talk about social and political issues, such as homelessness, gentrification, and the Sri Lankan Civil War. And the song is Oh Sri Lanka. So, you know, they're having a stimulating conversation. Mm-hmm. It's weird. I throw better parties. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Patrick makes a scene by butchering his birthday cake with a huge knife he's carrying. You know, just because. Yeah, right. Knives. It's fine. And then, after dinner, Patrick and Price go to a club where they dance and snort cocaine. Yay. Mm. Oh, yes. Fun. We're Wolf of Wall Street up in here. Mm-hmm. And so this is true faith slash killing time. And so, like... Suddenly overcome with despair because of the cocaine, probably, (laughs) and just this awareness of the hollowness of his existence, sad face, Patrick leaves the club and angrily vows to never go clubbing again in the song In the Air Tonight. And this song is exactly the song you think it is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So In the Air Tonight. Mm -hmm. But it's sung like really slow and sullen and... It makes you feel like what Bateman's feeling. It's very weird. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you it's said that about like, the whole soundtrack, right? Mm-hmm. Is like really weird and yeah. like synthy 80s. 80s. Very 80s. Yeah. But I but like very it. Very well done. Yeah, yeah like, I like it too. Well, on this mood swing that he's got going on, Patrick meets a homeless man on the street and offers him money before taunting him and killing him. Oh, yes. As oh. one does. As one does. So at the gym the next day, Patrick's co-workers work out and comment on the physiques of their female instructors. The song is Hard Body. Which is a super weird song. <laughs> but that's actually, uh, in the book, the author refers to people of, of like their stature as hard bodies. Not necessarily so because weird. their physique per se, but just kind of like their overall personality and everything. This whole cast has to be super fit. 
including the person that plays Bateman, because he runs around without his shirt and in his underwear a lot. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Alrighty. One review about the Australian performance said, this is probably the fittest cast that's ever been on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because they all have to be, you know, super mm. toned physique and stuff. <laughs> well, I feel like for a stage production, I wonder if you have to, like, train a different, like, physique look to look better with stage lights. Because, like, know. the angles and stuff would be, like, weird than just, like, looking straight on at, like, you know, somebody mm. at the gym that's working out. No idea. Food for thought. Yeah. The next surprise of the show, it is revealed that Patrick is having an affair with Courtney. Oh, <gasps> Whoa. And so they're doing it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, as they do. And afterwards, Courtney decides to end the affair, telling a dismissive Patrick that they are betraying their respective partners. Y- yes. Yeah. A little, and, too little too late, but okay. But it's also like, Patrick's like, why does it matter? Because Lewis is definitely, and Courtney's like, don't call him a fag. So it's implied that maybe Lewis is gay. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Very strong. Possibly gay. Ah. So later he meets his friends at the gym and attempts to strangle Luis in the steam room because that's what you do. Yeah. And of course he interprets these actions as a sexual advance. Uh, like Katie was just saying, he's like, mm, okay, let's do this. <laughs> um, and he begs him to continue. And so disgusted, Patrick flees. <laughs> so like, if you're ever getting choked... Just say harder, and they'll mostly likely back off. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> During the intermission of a showing of Les Mis, Evelyn broaches the subject of marriage to Patrick, who is not convinced about the idea. And this is the song, If We Get Married. And the song is mostly about, like, if we get married, will she ever finally, like, shut up about it? And, and she's like, wonder if he'll be happy then, and stuff like that. So she's always like, yeah, marriage. And he's just like, ugh. <laughs> Just stop talking already. God. Yeah. So then, of course, after this, Patrick heads to the meatpacking district and picks up a prostitute named Christine. And, of course, he introduces himself as Paul Owen. And, of course, then he decides to hire another prostitute named Sabrina and then proceeds to pay them not to just, you know, do normal prostitute things, but (laughs) to engage in violent, sadistic sex with both one another and with him in the song Not a Common Man. Because mm, he yeah. is not a common man. Thankfully. What a, a psycho. Weird one. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, this scene in the movie is like real over the top. <laughs> so there's a bunch of time jumps in the show. So next we are on Christmas Eve, where Patrick talks at length about Les Mis to Jean, and the two discuss their plans for the holidays. Patrick escorts his mother to Evelyn's Christmas party, where he binges on drugs and alcohol. In the song, Mistletoe Alert. He runs into Paul Owen at the party and just invites him back to his apartment. The two dance to Hip to Be Square and Patrick spikes Owen's drink. Bateman puts on a raincoat and begins a long, one-sided analysis of the artistic and commercial merits of the band Huey Lewis and the News. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. This is one of the most well-known scenes from the movie, yeah. in case everyone was curious. Yeah. After stating that the world is better off with some people gone, implying both himself and Owen at the same time here, Patrick slaughters Owen with an axe. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. Murder. And that ends the act one. All right. What does everyone think about I, act one? Why does the show exist? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I've been saying it for the past couple episodes. <laughs> did this need to be made into a musical? Probably not. But is it? It, it is. Did. I feel like I would rather see Evil Dead than see this. 
<laughs> and that's saying something. No. I like the music in this, so I'd rather see this for some reason. Does huh. this show have a splash zone? <laughs> it should. <laughs> it should. Well, no, because he's very uh, like tidy, tidy about it. Yeah. No, I'm talking about for all the sex scenes. Oh, that too. Oh. Yeah, it's gross. <laughs> gross. <laughs> Kylie says, hard no. Hard no. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard pass. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, really weird. Mm-hmm. I can understand why initially Broadway would be like, uh, what? Uh, I wasn't sure how to feel about this one the first time I listened to it, but the story has always intrigued me. It is very interesting and it is a very odd parallel between, you know, greed and consumerism and how the 1980s really kind of messed people up in that regard. I gave it another listen and I, I do enjoy the music. It was just very hard to <laughs> to listen to it the first time because I, I don't ever listen to the 80s music and it was very different. It is very different, but it does tell a good story. Yeah, sure. It's just- Strange and weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's like just losing his mind, right? Does he not have like real motives for the murder? Or is it, it just kind of like, I just don't like you in the world anymore? Well, he mentions that he doesn't feel anything. And he's come to realize that no matter what he does, even though he does all these things that should make him happy, he feels nothing. Okay. And so when he kills the homeless man, it's the first time he like feels something. Gotcha. And he feels like himself, more or less. So that is kind of like an outlet for all this repressed rage and emotion and jealousy and inadequacy. So. Yeah. Okay. Interesting character. Very interesting character. Not the best of main characters we've had on the show. No. But Matt Smith is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of trying to picture him As in this role. This is crazy killer guy. Strange. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised the first time I read it. I was like, is that a, is that a typo? <laughs> what? I kept picturing Panic at the Disco while listening to this. Oh, okay, For some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. With how, like, how weird they are. Uh-huh. I feel it. At least someone else does. I don't know. This is just... Like, I've seen... Like, it... I mean, it doesn't seem different... That much different from the movie, right? And I've seen the movie, but, like, I just... I don't know. I didn't really understand the movie when I watched it, so this is just kind of like... True. What? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Extra confusing icing on top of the confusing cake. Yes. Quick music! <laughs> yeah, it does It does follow pretty closely to the same storyline, which is nice, so I'm not, like, completely lost. And I, th- I think, like, the songs do add a neat component to it, but, again, did it need to be made? Probably not. But, hey. But it's here. But it is here. And with that, how about we go into our theater fact, Kylie? Yeah. So, for our theater fact... English actor Anthony Wheeler was playing Judas in the musical Jesus Christ Superstar at a resort in Greece's Chalbiki Peninsula. On August 17, 1997, the 26-year-old actor prepared for the big scene where he hangs himself. In order to do the stunt correctly, he was supposed to use a safety harness, but on that fateful night, he didn't do that. Hmm. He ended up choking himself to death, and no one realized anything was wrong until Wheeler didn't come backstage. Five minutes later, when they turned the stage lights on, the 500-plus audience members and his fellow actors saw his lifeless body hanging in the limelight. Oops. Oh my God. Authorities are unsure why Wheeler didn't use the harness. They thought it was possible they killed himself, but the rest of the crew said he didn't seem depressed and was acting normal before the show started. Yeah. Idiot. Interesting. That's sad. 
But also, mm-hmm. not the only actor to accidentally kill himself playing the role of Judas. I'm not surprised. Oh. oh. It also happened in The Passion of the Christ. Oh. I was reading about that today. Ooh. That's terrifying. Cursed? Yeah, it seems kind of cursed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, with no other thoughts, let's go ahead and uh, swing our way into Act 2. Nope. Chop our way into Act 2. Nope. <laughs> Stab some Murder? hookers into Act 2. What do you want from me, yep. Amber? <laughs> <laughs> she wants more. <laughs> she wants a splash zone. <laughs> no, that's The bad. bloody kind, and not the other kind. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this show, they're the same. <laughs> <laughs> I feel gross. Yeah, I need to go take right. a shower. <laughs> you should. You need to clean myself of the show, and we're not even halfway through. Well, I guess we are halfway through now. We are halfway through. Now. now. Patrick takes Owen's body to an apartment he owns anonymously and dissolves it in a bathtub with a bag of lime. Which would take a while, but yes. Mm-hmm. How do people just know how to dissolve bodies? Research? I, I mean, nowadays it's body and lime. Back is, then? But this is the know. 80s. They didn't have, like, yeah, search like, engine stuff. Does he just know a guy? Probably. Yep. Like, yo, I need pounds of limes like as many as you have not, not limes <laughs> lime oh my stone bad. i've my image was a lot funnier then it, it was, was a lot bunch of, of yeah a bunch of limes in a bathtub with some limes <laughs> and some spray and some tequila <laughs> body tequila yeah it's your sub party we got an owen garita <laughs> so everyone at home uh, if you need to get rid of a body don't use a bag of limes I'm an idiot. (laughs) Lime. (laughs) Or do, and let us know how it goes. (laughs) Or do, yeah. Let us know. (laughs) Matt's the one that get caught. (laughs) Now we know that. Bought every lime from the grocery store, babe. It's not working. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so he's dissolving it in a bathtub full of lime. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Got it. I'm I'm on the same page. Yep. It's a chemical. Afterwards, he lets himself into Paul's apartment and stages his disappearance by resetting his voicemail and packing many of his possessions into a suitcase. The song is called Clean, because that would convince, well, probably back then, everybody. Nowadays, maybe not, no. Months pass, during which Patrick murders several people in the song Killing Spree, which is, he just goes on a killing spree. Surprise. Murder, murder. One afternoon, Patrick's mother arrives on Wall Street, expecting to have lunch with her son. He has totally forgotten about the appointment panics, and begs Jean to get rid of her. But Jean convinces Patrick to attend the lunch and offers to join the pair. You know, kind of make it a little nicer, I guess. <laughs> Much to Jean's delight, Mrs. Bateman tells her stories about Patrick as a child and says they would make a good couple. The song is Nice Thought. And a fun fact about this song, everyone thought it was a little weird that through the entire show they're building Bateman up as this villain, this, you know, bad guy who doesn't really have any remorse or emotion. But in this song, they paint him as a human, you know, mm-hmm. as a child that always liked to make people laugh, and he was beautiful, and so not everyone cares for this song being in there. Yeah. Because it humanizes the monster. Back at Pierce and Pierce, Detective Donald Kimball calls on Patrick to question him about Owen's disappearance. Uh-oh. Uneasy, Patrick tries his hardest to evade questioning and asks Kimball to keep him updated about the manhunt. Wanting to distance himself from New York, you know, for good reason. Patrick calls Evelyn and suggests a holiday, and so the two take a short break in the Hamptons. The idyllic setting cannot heal Patrick's psyche, of course, because he is crazy. Mm-hmm. But Evelyn flourishes amid garden parties and Pilates classes, 
while Patrick's grasp on reality loosens further. And the song is At the End of an Island slash Hard Body Hamptons. So she's having a great time. He's still like, oh God, what's wrong with me? He promises Evelyn that if they return to New York, he will marry her. Interesting. Because that's the solution. Yeah, you know. Yeah. On his return, he begins to use Paul Owen's apartment as a place to host and kill more victims, beginning with Sabrina and Christine, whom he kills with a chainsaw. And the song is, I am back. I feel like the neighbors would notice something. You know, you'd think, but it's also New York. But it's a chainsaw. But New York. There's weird things in New York. And their apartments are huge in New York. Are they? Yeah. For this guy. Oh, yeah. He owns two apartments. (laughs) I think he's got a big enough one. Louise runs into Patrick at a Barney's store and begs Patrick to run away with him. Hashtag gay. Gay? Uh, Patrick responds aggressively, assaulting and hissing at Louis because he has become a cat. Get him. (laughs) Or a vampire. So with his appetite for murder now totally unchecked because he's crazy, Patrick targets Jean, offering to take her to dinner at a restaurant of her choice. His sense of inferiority comes through once again, however, when she suggests Dorcia, which is that fancy restaurant from earlier, and he's still unable to get reservations there. So instead, he gives Jean the rest of the day off, and she starts to wonder about her feelings for Patrick in A Girl Before, which, honey, no. Honey, no. She don't don't know. She really don't know. Yeah. I mean, red flags, guys. Come on. Yeah. At Patrick's apartment that night, the pair discuss her hopes and aspirations. And then as he's preparing to murder her, Jean tells Patrick that she's in love with him. Her confession causes him great distress because he's so crazy. Mm -hmm. And he implores her to leave. He ends up leaving a long voicemail for Kimball, confessing to the murder of Paul Owen and countless other people in clean reprise, which is actually not on the soundtrack. Wow. Oh. Yep. Shocker. The next morning, Jean apologizes to Patrick for what happened the night before. And he forgives her and tells her that he will be recommending her for a junior executive program through a company scheme. So that's pretty cool. Tim Price unexpectedly arrives at Patrick's office, having been AWOL from Pierce and Pierce since Patrick's birthday. He just kind of disappeared. Yeah. Patrick asks him where he's been. And Price responds by saying that he's been in New York the whole time, but their paths just haven't crossed. Which Weird. Is fair, I guess. And so then he also asks Patrick about Paul Owen's disappearance. Hmm. Patrick and Evelyn have their engagement party at Tunnel Nightclub in the song Don't You Want Me. No. And this is also the song you're thinking about, the Don't You Want Me Baby song, which is interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the answer is no, Patrick. I don't want you. (laughs) No. Well, Evelyn does. She don't know. Well, yeah. Patrick is noticeably uncomfortable and is desperate to just go to dinner. Get me out of this nightclub. Weird things happen at the nightclub. Please. I want to (laughs) leave. Price says he is able to get reservations at Dorzia, which impresses the guests and probably makes Patrick sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Patrick sees Kimball at the bar and approaches him, asking him about the voicemail confession, you know, that he had just left. Mm-hmm. Kimball breaks into laughter, stating that he found Patrick's joke hilarious, despite Bateman's protests that the confessions were genuine. Kimball tells Patrick that his narrative of what happened to Owen is impossible, as Owen is in fact in London, because Kimball allegedly had dinner with him there twice. The next day, Mm. Patrick goes to Paul Owen's apartment, expecting it to be full of decomposing bodies and cordoned off by the police. Instead, he finds the apartment vacant and in pristine condition. The real estate agent, Mrs. Wolf, deflects all of Patrick's questions about Paul Owen and the bodies that were left in the apartment before asking him to leave and never return. 
He marries Evelyn and resigns himself to a pointless existence in which the punishment and notoriety that he craves will forever be denied him. In the song, This Is Not an Exit. So this is the point where you wonder how much of it was real and how much of it was just his mind literally breaking. Weird. Mm -hmm. And you'd never get an answer. You never get an answer. Oh, there's me. Or maybe it's like, since they're all like Wall Street people, maybe it's just like a cover up or something. No, I mean, it's never implied. It's just that he's just crazy. Yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. so obviously he's, like, losing time. He did do a lot of drugs. He did do a lot of drugs. He's, like, got all this rage in him, and so he thinks he gets it out by killing people. But he's not allowed to be that famous, so he can't get to that next level that he, he's winning. It's a, it's a weird... There's a lot of studies about it, I'm sure, and papers written about this original book. Mm-hmm. But... It does leave you wondering, like... What happened? Yeah. Was it society, like, pushing this man to the breaking point? And, and it, will he do it eventually for real? You know? Mm-hmm. It's odd. But huh. intriguing. Yeah. And that that is the end of the show. Wow. Wow. Ta-da! A whole show about a murderer, not really a murderer. Yeah. But probably a murderer? But possibly murderer. Yeah, I yeah. don't know, like, this show, and, like, trying to explain how I feel right now, like, you get to that ending, and, you, like, I just feel like there's, like, an open chunk instead, like, I don't even have the words, like my dude. Like, you missed something? Yeah. Like, there's just, like, a gaping something. I don't Hole? even, I don't know. I just don't feel right after going through this story. It's just so I, I can understand that type of ending for, like, a book, because, you know, you, you know, word of mouth is some of the best stuff for spreading the popularity of a book. So, like, having an open end like that where people can have discussions about it makes sense. I don't think that transitioned well to plays or musicals. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know. I feel like the audience might feel cheated out of a resolution. Yeah. Maybe, but I don't think that's... I don't know. There's there's more going on to it than that. Yeah. I'm mean, gonna get to like it, you know, like you were saying, like it's a big statement about all all those different things, and like yes, not, you know, shows don't always have to wrap up with a pretty bow. I get that, but I don't know. This one just doesn't sit right. Yeah, it is what it is. There's a chance like some of his kills might have been real, you know, like the homeless guy, like the like the homeless guy, and hookers, and maybe the hookers, but maybe he never actually killed. Owen because mm-hmm. like this was his one true rival technically in his mind and maybe he just had delusions about killing him because he kind of like disappeared from his life but he really was just in on a business trip yeah yeah over in London London so yeah I mean people the brain is very weird and you can lose significant chunks of time yeah whether yeah. that be oh, yeah. hours days or even weeks so mm-hmm. so this is interesting. I I don't know. I was looking it up because this just is so weird to me. And going to Matt's point from a bit ago, the author actually said, quote, American Psycho was a book I didn't think needed to be turned into a movie as the medium of film demands answers, which would make the book infinitely less interesting. It's a good point. Like you were saying, like things work out differently in a book where you can like kind of picture it yourself and work through it yourself versus like seeing it like, movie or stage, you see the events that seem literal and then they're maybe not. Yeah. It just kind of pulls mm-hmm. something away from you. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure some people make it work 
either way. Like, there's definitely a lot of movies out there that are, are you know, considered really good and have very open-ended... Confusing, yeah. Confusing endings. I just thought it was interesting that the author said that he was just like, eh, it, it didn't need to happen. But, yeah. I mean, it did, and it's got a cult following. Yeah. And now there's a musical, so... Ta-da! Tell you what, people like crazy killers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, people do. There's entire, like podcast category to, dedicated to them so yeah yeah so overall it's an interesting musical that i think you probably should check out and make your own assumptions and thoughts on it yeah and if you like 80s synth wave this is, this right is like up your, your jam <laughs> it is very cool I, I would definitely listen to it once just to understand what i mean by it's weird but good and unique. interesting it's very unique i've never heard any musical like it yeah. and Read the book and watch the movie and just absorb all of it. Because do all the things. I, I do think it has really good parallels to how, you know, greed kind of messes people up. I mean, what is it like? Power corrupts, but mm-hmm. absolute power corrupts absolutely. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. There you go. So, like, he has so much, I guess, influence and a lot of money and stuff as a Wall Street stuff, but it, like, makes him go crazy. Makes him go crazy. And he still can't get... The control that he wants. Everything, yeah. yeah. Like, he has everything, but he can't get everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, anyone have any more thoughts on this one? No. Just, <laughs> no. I know we say this no. for every episode, but, like, if you've seen this... Tell us. ...or know more about it, please explain it to me. Viewers, Talk explain. Me. <laughs> because, ah! I think Amber needs it the most the out show. of all please of us. Thanks. I think she's just the most flustered. I'm very flustered. I don't know why. I just am. <laughs> yeah. All right. First, it was the limes. The, the limes. <laughs> the show did me in weird ways, okay? But yeah. It did. So, like, tweet at me, because I don't know, man. I like the ambiguity of it, but not everyone likes that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. so make your own decisions and tell us about yeah. them, because we would really like that. Yeah. So, you can tweet us at Save an Isle Seat on Twitter, or you can email us at SaveMeAnIsleSeat at gmail.com. We would love to hear your thoughts on this, and if you have any other musicals that you might want us to cover eventually, go ahead and hit us up for that too. That'd be really cool. If you'd like to support this podcast, which we appreciated, yay, Mm -hmm. you can uh, go ahead Mm -hmm. and tell your friends and your family and anybody. You can can tell the homeless folks, but don't stab them afterwards. Yeah, please don't. That helps us none. (laughs) Yeah, so word of mouth is the best way to get us out there. We are at almost 700 downloads already, which is super exciting. Whoa. I think we're Woo-hoo. like 10 downloads away, which is super neat. So mm-hmm. we're looking forward to that. And a little teaser. We might do something special for 1,000 downloads. I'm not going to tell you what, but it, I don't it even cool. know. I mean, you know. I told I you. can't remember right now, so uh. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's not going to give you spoilers because he doesn't know them. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta do the, the Tom Holland Me. thing. Can't give him the mm-hmm. script. Because we'll just spoil we'll everything. Spoil <laughs> yep. <laughs> so we're, we'll be keeping a, an eye on those numbers, which are really fun for me anyway. So I think that's all the announcements. Go ahead and support the rest of us on uh, the podcast network. You can check out our website for other shows, like Total Tom Foolery, which we just uh, started the new arc for that, which is a D&D podcast. And Mama's podcast, Bag of Bones. She is doing really well. She's almost at 200 downloads already, which is super, super cool for her. And you can find those shows at www.ragtagnetwork.com. 
And if you want to support us financially at all, which thank you, that's super great. You can find us at ko-fi.com slash ragtag network. Any little bit helps. We really appreciate you. And that helps support all of our shows at the po- at the podcast network. And you'll get some bonus material. And you get some bonus so material. Check it out. Like, have you ever wanted to hear Amber and all of her F-bombs? We got that. We got that. Check it out. Yeah. Our newest bonus episode is about to go out, I believe, this week. So keep an eye out for that if you are on our Ko-Fi. If not, join it so you can get it. That'd be super cool of you. All right, guys, I think that will wrap up this episode of Save Me an ILC. We really appreciate you guys for coming in and listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Step, step. Thank you for listening to this episode of Save Me an Aisle Seat. We do this show for fun, but if you'd like to support us, you can check out our Ko-Fi at www.ko-fi.com slash ragtag network. For more episodes and shows like this, go to our website at www.ragtagnetwork.com. This show is brought to you by the Ragtag Network.